Recorded live. Welcome to the return edition of Beer and Money on the PWP, I guess, podcasting network. Um, I am your host, John JCG Dimicelli, and yes, welcome to a very special edition of Law and Order TNA Unit. Um, we'll be discussing all, all the uh, crazy happenings from this week with TNA, with uh, the lawsuit with uh, between Billy Corgan, Dixie Carter, Impact Ventures, which is, uh, for those that don't know, that's TNA's um, parent company. And, boy, uh, there is a lot to get into on that. Uh, plus, me and Toph will be discussing, um, we're going to preview Hound the Cell. Uh, we're going to discuss uh, Trick or Delete and... I, I, I'm sure Toph is going to have an interesting take on this, but I plan on giving my take on why I feel the Matt Hardy, Broken Hardy gimmick has basically at this point ran its course, and it's just getting repetitive now, but we'll get into that with Toph. Uh We'll kind of just look at some of the, the week that was, look at some Raw, look at some uh, SmackDown and NXT. Uh, we will discuss the... Dusty Classic, the teams that are left. Um, we won't spoil anything. And also, look ahead to the week coming up. So it's Friday afternoon that this is being recorded. Uh, it's a very cold and um, windy, chilly day here in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Uh don't know how the weather is by where you are, but that's where I am right now. So, you know, it's the middle, it's the end of October, it's Halloween weekend, so, you know, I guess the cold weather is to be expected, but it came just a little, a little too fast for my liking. Um, you can follow PWP Nation, of course, at P- on pwpnation.com. Uh, lots of great articles, insight, um, news. Uh, same thing on Twitter. You can follow PWP Nation on Twitter at PWP Nation. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at JCD1219NY, as well as the PWP Nation Facebook page. So now that we got the uh, the bills out of the way, let's let's get started, and I will. I guess I'll wait for Tove to get on um, shortly, but we're going to get started. We're gonna, and, of course, the big news of the week 
excuse me, was is I shouldn't say was is the TNA lawsuit. For those who don't know, Billy Corgan. Actually, let me rewind this because there's also a little bit misinterpretation as to what exactly is going on, what Corgan is suing for, and everything like that. So let's let's back it up. Apparently, Corgan and Dixie entered into an agreement that if TNA would have gone insolvent, which for layman's terms is bankrupt, Corgan would have had the ability, due to the money he had invested in, and we'll get into Billy's investment and all that stuff as we move on, because there's a lot to do with that as well. Um, Billy would have had the authority to remove basically Dixie from her position as majority shareholder, from, I don't remember all the math, but I believe Dixie has like 92 point something percent as far as TNA goes. And Billy would have been able, and the other 7.5% is divvied up, I believe, between Aerolux, which is their old production company, and Anthem, which is the parent company that owns Fight Network. Uh, those two companies are going to be relevant in all this, so I just want to get that out of the way. Who's who right now? Um, like I said, Anthem owns the Fight Network, and Aerolux 1, I believe they're called, was TNA's production company up until about the middle of the summer this year. Um, so, And Impact Ventures is the parent company of TNA, just like WWE is uh, Titan Sports, um, TNA is Impact Ventures. So we have all the major parties involved. Uh, so like I was saying, the other 7.5% is split up with uh, Aerolux and Anthem. I just I forget who owns what, but it's very small, obviously, if it's only 7.5%. So Billy... Now, Billy, I want to explain this right. Billy is not so much at this point suing for control of the company just yet, although the ability to take over and remove people did come up. What Billy wanted with this motion that he filed was to prevent anybody from doing anything as far as selling off any part of the company until he's got money invested, until he gets paid back, or until he knows what's going on. And that's going to come up as this moves on. This is going to be long. It's going to be complicated. I'm going to try to just keep it as simple as possible just for the sake of getting through it, not because I'm – not for any other reason. But – You know, Billy feels that apparently the Bound for Glory funding and how did that come about and where did Dixie get the money and and nobody knew. It wasn't Billy. um, It wasn't, you know, her parents and and Panda Energy. Apparently what Dixie did is Dixie sold off a small percentage of the company. That's why there's 7.5% of the company 
uh, out there. And there's been rumors that when she's been in negotiations uh, to, to sell the company, that one of her, uh, I guess, conditions of a sale would be she wanted to maintain at least 52%. And from what I've heard, that's been a sticking point for people potentially looking to buy the company from her or invest into it. So Billy wanted to file for this uh, temporary injunction to prevent her from selling off any more of the company without his say, without his involvement. Uh, that, that's the gist. And, of course, if he's able to prove TNA was what they call insolvent in the red, you know, in so much debt, and, you know, the recent lawsuits that have come out seem to indicate that he wanted to exercise his right as per the agreement. Um, I don't know if I should just keep going through Billy's side of it or if I should jump to Dixie's and back and forth. Uh, you know what? I'll stick with Billy. Billy also claims that Dixie has lied to him numerously. Um, Billy claims that he was left down in the dark as far as negotiations to sell the company, including negotiations that apparently started in June with WWE. Um, it's said that in these proceedings, and everything we're talking about right now isn't speculation or rumor. This is stuff that's come out from the hearing the last two days. So we're dealing with things that are facts. This is not speculation or reportedly or anything like that. So just put that out there. Uh, it was said that she started negotiating with WWE back in June, and before any of the debt issues came up or anything else, it was said that WWE was concerned with Billy's, with what was owed to Billy and his stake in the company. Um, Dixie said that she would take care of getting Billy squared away before she sold the company. Um, so apparently, Dixie had no intention of bringing Billy on or selling to Billy. That's what I'm taking from that. Uh, and, and making Billy disappear also was a common thread of these two days. Um, not only did she tell, like I said, she told WWE she would, you know, have Billy taken care of, you know, before a sale would take place, a lot of, it came up constantly throughout the course of these hearings that, no, 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 we can pay back Mr. Corgan. And apparently the loan on to Cor from Corgan totals $1.8 I guess to finance the three sets of tapings, June, July, and August. He did not pay for the Bound for Glory tapings. Now, there was a clause in there, and I don't understand it, so I don't know exactly how to explain it, but basically... If um, TNA had defaulted on any aspect of the loan, they would owe Billy like an extra 50%, which on $1.8 million is 900000 So you're talking about $2.7, almost $3 million to Corgan. 
which I'm sorry. I I mean, I've never I haven't seen an expense report. I don't know what their cash flow is. I can't see where TNA has that money. Now, sorry. Apparently Anthem stepped up and said they're willing to pay back Corgan at the 1.8. Now, when TNA, and I, I know I'm jumping a little here, said they were able to pay back Corgan, they never were specific in the sense of, is it the 1.8 or is it the 2.7? I would think they're leaning more towards the 1.8 because they're claiming they're not insolvent in debt in the red. I'm assuming if you say, okay, we can pay him back to 2.7, you're admitting to everything else. I don't even know where TNA has $1.8 million. Just if you just look at their business model, it's just, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, Billy is also, was also to blame for the payroll issues, which extends beyond the talent. It's come out. And, yeah, it's one thing for the Carters and the higher-level officers of the company to be behind getting paid, but regular staff people, your behind-the-scenes guys, you know, and girls, your, your makeup artists, your hairdressers, you know, your wardrobe people, you, they're behind pay even to them. And, and you know, that's that's just not right because, let's be honest, you know, these hairdressers, these makeup artists, these costumes, these wardrobe people, the lighting guys, they don't have any type of deal like these wrestlers do. So what money are they really making? Um, you know, so it's kind of it's kind of shitty that, you know, they're behind payroll to even them, and they're blaming Billy for that, which... There's been payroll issues with TNA before Corgan ever came around. So, you know, to sit there and blame this on Corgan is just outright wrong. Uh, now, a big point that came up during the court case was the power transfer clause. And that was, as I mentioned earlier, that was the if TNA had become insolvent, Billy would get to replace Dixie and anybody else high-end. Apparently, now the court hearing took is taking place in Tennessee. Apparently, a provision or a clause like that is not valid in the state of Tennessee. And the contract between Dixie and Billy, which apparently was negotiated under California law, now has no weight in Tennessee. Now, I I look at this two ways. Number one, Dixie is a giant piece of shit for putting a clause like that in, knowing it's not going to hold any weight if it ever got contested. On the same token, though, I blame Billy and his legal team for not being on top of that. That's a big clause to put in a contract. That is huge. How do you not acknowledge that? Hang on, I got Toph coming in, so I'm going to uh, bring him in. 
Hey, Chris, you there? Oh, yeah, can you hear me fine? Yeah, yeah, sounds good. How, how are you hearing me okay? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Just traffic and how it is. No, that's all right. It's all right. Um, how's everything by you today? Uh, everything's going good, and um, pretty much to sum it up, really, um, I know, like, what happened to you recently, and well, not recently, but a while ago, around the last takeover, and I've been kind of, like, you know, quiet about it because I didn't want to worry anyone. I'm doing fine, but uh, my mom, her leg buckled at home, and um, when her leg buckled, she had a hard time getting up, so we had to call the EMTs, and long story short, she had to spend some time in, in rehab, getting rehabilitated. It was one of those things that was just supposed to take probably a week, but it ended up going about two and a half months. And during that period of time, I was pretty much, you know, on my own, doing my own thing. She's at home now, and okay. she's doing good. Was but it her knee? what happened? Hmm? Was it a knee? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a knee. Yeah, it was a knee. knee yeah, a knee buckle. She just needed some, some rehab and exercising, stuff like that. But um, the important thing that kind of happened in relation to uh, wrestling, WWE in particular, was uh, I was moving her a lot, a, lot, a lot like every day because, you know, while she was gone, I was visiting her and, and giving her stuff and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the the wake-up call for me, the epiphany, was it was like um, it was like last, uh, like last, last Monday, like two weeks ago because she got released last week. You know, like when you leave the house and you keep having this feeling that, like, you forgot something, but then you don't remember what it was, and then, like, as you're already driving, you're like, oh, that's what it was, you know. So I left, and then I realized that I forgot to DVR raw, because when I left, it was like 5:30, and usually when I come back home, it would be like probably like 9:45, going on 10. So like I forgot to DVR raw, and I was kind of like, oh darn, oh well. So then, like when I was driving to mom's place, the thought kind of occurred to me. I was thinking about, you know, raw's kind of formulaic, kind of follows the same basic pattern, uh, you know, like. 20-minute opening promo from Stephanie or McFoley, which, you know, leads into a match of some sort, you know, Braun Strowman squash match, Nia Jack squash match, random cruiserweight match, random New Day segment, uh, random Roman Reigns match, uh, Rusev segment. Like, it kind of follows the same formulaic pattern. So then I thought about all the other promotions that I watch, and Ring of Honor and New Japan in particular was really what caught my interest because the truth of the matter is I don't watch every Ring of Honor show. Um, in fact, I might watch a Ring of Honor episode maybe like once a month or something, and I definitely don't watch every New Japan show, but even though I don't watch every Ring of Honor show, and even though I don't watch every New Japan show, it doesn't help, that does not conflict with my understanding whenever I'm watching like a pay-per-view, if that makes sense. So if I'm looking at like a Ring of Honor pay-per-view, just because I don't see the, the episodes building up to it, it doesn't mean I don't necessarily not know what's going on on said pay-per-view. Same thing for New Japan. In other words, long story short, what I kind of realized was you don't have to watch every episode to to still, like, enjoy a product. It's not like it's a TV show where you need to watch every episode that builds up to a season finale, kind of. So that was kind of when I had the finale. I was like, I had the realization that I didn't, I don't need to watch every episode of Raw in particular if it's very formulaic, you know. So then I just kind of asked myself, well, how come I, I how come I, I do what I can to try to watch every episode of Raw, but then I'm just, I just kind of like half-ass like other stuff. And then I realized it's not that I give WWE more bias, just because I grew up like many others doing the Monday Night Wars, and so out of habit, I just simply my brain Monday is just is wired Monday Night Wrestling, you know. Yep. So that's kind of why I do it, but. 
And the thing about me that's made me different from most wrestling fans, this is something I never really experienced except when I was a kid, was the concept of flipping back and forth. Like, yeah, I flipped back and forth between, like, Nitro and Raw, but mm-hmm. post, post-demise of WCW, I've always kept the TV on Raw. I never really flipped the channel, no matter how boring yeah, or bad it was. You know, but, I'm glad you said that, because a lot of today's wrestling fans will never understand the, mm-hmm. okay, Raw's on a commercial, what's going on on Nitro? Oh, okay. All right, Nitro's on a commercial. What's going on on Raw? You right. know, <laughs> yeah, they won't. You know, they'll never understand. Right. They'll never that know that and, struggle. You know, <laughs> they'll never know. They'll never know. Yeah. So what, what <laughs> happened like last week was, um, uh, what happened last week was uh, since I've decided to no longer. So I'm not. I'm not saying like I'm never going to watch Raw anymore, but now I've realized that I don't need to. I don't like given the, how the product of WWE is now. I realized that I don't need to watch every episode just to um, just to enjoy like a special or something, you know. So what I started to do recently is I'm starting to do something for the first time I've never done is that now when I'm watching Raw and like it's not interesting to me or it's like a, a passable segment, then I'll just flip a channel. And what's great now is that there's so many options. Like like last week I was watching Raw and you know it was just kind of dull and then I flipped and I just watched Gotham for like 20 minutes. So I was like, oh cool, Gotham. And then I flipped and then I watched Supergirl. And after watching Supergirl for like 10 minutes, I watched like, I think I watched a basketball game or something. Then I flipped back to Raw. And I was just kind of like, wow, so this is what most folks actually do. They just mm-hmm. they flip when, when something on Raw doesn't interest me. And I noticed that when I flipped, it didn't make the show as bad. You know what I mean? So I was like, so long. Right, right. You know, so now I'm starting to see like why so many folks have been doing that for years. And yeah. so I started talking to some of my friends, and they're like, welcome to the club, Toes. Like, we've been doing this like. Mm-hmm. Forever, you know. So. Like, I'll be honest with you. My son's three and a half now, so he's at that age where he's a, he's a sponge. So, you know, <laughs> before I got hurt last year, I could have Raw on. I didn't have to worry about him going into daycare and giving somebody a package pile driver or, you know, whatever. You know, hitting another kid with a haluva kick. Now I do. So the rule is I don't I don't watch Raw until he goes to bed, which is usually about eight forty five, nine o'clock, right right around that first hour. And I feel like I'll be honest with you, if I go on Twitter or I go on a website just to see like like the in progress, you know, coverage, I feel like there's very few times I've turned around and I D V R Raw. There's very few times I turn around and I'm like, Okay, I gotta go back and watch that later. Like, I feel like, oh, okay, this is what's going on. Okay, this is what's going to happen later. Okay, good. And unless I fall asleep, once I'm done watching the episode, I erase it off my DVR. <laughs> you know, I'm not keeping, you know, I mean, I keep certain ones. Like, I always keep the night after WrestleMania shows. I feel like those are special. But other than that, like. Right, right, right. The only like I, I, we're on I the same the page Owens, there. I have yeah, the one where Owens won the Universal title. I have that right, right. Dave. But, like, your regular two-week-ago Raw when nothing mm. major happened. Right. And, like yeah. I said, I mean, there's nights I fall asleep at, like, 10 o'clock. So, you know, mm. I may not get around to watching it till Tuesday or Wednesday. But other than that, nine times out of ten by 11.15, mm. it's, it's off my DVR. Yeah, the, the following, like, I want to say from right now to, like, 2011, I have, like, maybe no more than 10 Raws saved on my DVR. Mm-hmm. I, I know which one to the first one. I have the the Raw 
where Rock came back. I have that one saved. Mm-hmm. I have the Raw where Punk cut the pipe bomb. I have that one I- saved. I have the Raw 1000, that show. I have that one saved. Um, I have the Postmania for 28 and 29. Those are two okay. great shows. I have yeah, those two okay. saved. Um, I have that one random Raw, if anybody remembers, where uh, it was Punk and Brian against the Shield, and then they teased that uh, that Wyatt Family Shield confrontation, and the crowd went crazy. That was like one of the oh, best. Oh, that was in London, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, that, that, yeah, I that know was one of the best. About. Yeah, that yeah. was one of the best like Raw endings ever. That was a very yeah. Nitro-ish ending where all hell just broke loose. I missed mm-hmm. that. That was like the closest. I, that's the closest I've ever seen to like a Nitro ending. Didn't a bunch of ever. guys run into to help Punk yeah. and Brian? Yeah, yeah, it just like, turned into a big melee. Like, at the end. It was like, great. It was probably like the, but it was probably like the Usos. And yeah, it was, it was the Usos, yeah, the Rose Brothers, guys, and, like, two others. Yeah, they ran in to help Brian and Punk to make it, like, six on six. Yeah, yeah, that, that yep. was great. Yeah, I, have, I just have, like, a handful of those, like, saved. But, yeah, I, I delete them most of the time. I think what makes what makes Raw the most frustrating, and I don't know, like, if Vince just does this out of spite sometimes, like, WCW did it this way, so I'm going to do it this way. You know, and I, I grew up a WCW fan, and WCW visited my area. I have so many fond memories as a kid where Nitro would start off like with a cruiserweight match. In fact, I know if we're getting older here, but if my memory serves me correctly, I believe the very first match on Nitro was Brian Pillman against Jushin Thunder Liger. Yeah, you know, and I have so many memories of like a WCW pay-per-view like Halloween Havoc or World War Three or like Starcade. I have so many memories where like the first mm-hmm. match was always a cruiserweight match like Ultimo Dragon against Dean Malenko or yeah, Rey Mysterio against Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, yep. Yep. Yeah, or Jericho against Hoovy, and it's like, I look at Raw, and it's like, why can't they just start off with a cruiserweight match one week? I'm not saying do it every week. Like, why can't they just start off with, like, TJ, like that one random match TJ and Brian, per- Brian Kendrick had? Like, why couldn't that have just started off Raw? That was still an hour one, but, like, why couldn't it have started off the show? Why can't mm-hmm. you just do Cedric against, I don't know, anybody? Like, it's like they consistently put the cruiserweights, like, an hour two or, like, the death spot hour three. And it's like every time fans tune out. You know what they're I feel like they're, the... they're dealing with, though? To be, mm-hmm. I don't want it to seem like I'm making an excuse, but just knowing how jaded today's fans are, if if Vince would keep putting them on um, hour one, then you would get the whole, oh, they don't care, they're just trying to get rid of them and, and get through them. You, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. Like, and it's, it's clearly that's not the case. So it's like, how do you... I get what you're saying, and, and imagine... You're 100% right. Imagine TJ, you know, Tony Nese starting off raw, mm-hmm. you know? I You know, I, I totally... I totally get, you know, but I, I just feel that right now, if they did that, people would look at it as, as them doing it for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. That they would be like, oh, they just don't care. They just want to get rid of them and all that. I, I just, I, yeah, I don't, I, I get what you're saying, but I, I could totally, I could totally see where they're kind of, where they're kind of stuck with that. Yeah, I see where you're coming yeah. from. I mean, I mean, it's TJP. Here's the other problem too with with the division right now, and it's still a baby. I mean, it's it's barely a month, but I feel like it's TJP. It's 
it's what you call it, and it's Kendrick, and then it's everybody else. Well, there's no, there's a lot of issues with the Cruiserweight division. First of all, one thing that I'm tired of hearing fans talk about is that fans don't react because they don't give. Um, I keep hearing the story they don't give the fans a reason to care due to lack of character and story development and stuff like that. See, which that I don't think is true. true at all. It, it, it's true in that respect, but in WCW there were a lot of times where they had no characters at all and they just went out and performed and those fans loved it. So yeah, I think you know what, that. I don't think, yeah, but it, that it's a different type of division now. Like, the WCW one was also built around a lot of the luchadors, you know, and the Japanese guy. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, people love Rich Swan's music hits. He's getting reactions. Cedric's getting reactions. The problem is you have to establish that second heel, whether it's going to be Nice, who I hear they're very high on, or um, yeah. Drew Gallick, you know, who's it's got like, that different look, whatever. It's, it's, like, it's like the X-Men. People don't call them the X-Men anymore. They just call them Wolverine and Friends. Yeah. Because, that, because that's just what it kind of, is. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a few reasons why I think the Cruiserweight division will never work in WWE, and I respect Triple H for trying to make it work. See, if it was me, what I would have did, I would have just made Cruiserweights exclusive to NXT. That's what I would have did because that fan base appreciates them, and it's going to work down there. You don't know that so in WWE. But to me, there's three reasons Cruiserweights will never work in WWE, and it's not my intent to come off as a smart. The first reason is, and this is what's really hurting them the most, what, may, what all fans don't understand, what made the Cruiserweights so awesome in WCW? Cruiserweights, they do what nobody else does. And that's what put them over the top in WCW. Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, Ultimo Dragon, Hoovy, all those dudes were doing stuff that like your Lugers, Stings, Hogan's, mm-hmm. Nashes, Hall, Savage, they're doing things that they can't do. It makes them special. And today's current and ring product where you have so many indie guys and you have like so much indie influence, like the Cruiserweights, they're talented. But a lot of the heavyweight guys can do the exact same stuff the Cruiserweights can do, like Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose and AJ Styles, even John Cena. They do suicide dives and crazy over-the-top moves. There's not that much. There's not that much that the Cruiserweights can do that a lot of the main heavyweight main event dudes cannot do themselves. The only cruiserweight that's really kind of like on his own league, like he can just do crazy stuff, is probably like uh, Rich Swan. I don't know how familiar you are with his work, but he can oh, do yeah. like standing 450s, and he can do like a cartwheel yeah, you know, you know and suicide hurt, dive. You know what even hurts Swan, though? Apollo. <laughs> yeah, because he's so much because bigger. Because Apollo can do, well, yeah, exactly, and he can do that same thing, that standing. Well, he does, right. the, but, yeah, he kind of does the same. That's mm-hmm. what hurts Swan, and... You know, that's you, right. you nailed it on the head. Was Luger didn't do a flying cross body over the top rope? Mm-hmm. You know, right. Luger did a power slam, a clothesline, a bear hug, a backbreaker, and then right. Ray was the guy that went over the top. You're right. You know, it's like Ahmed Johnson. I know he gets a lot of heat and stuff, but I remember one thing that uh, Ahmed said a long he, time ago he was, was quietly he, athletic when he was when he, yeah, was, he actually was actually in shape before he started getting really beat up. Ahmed was at I think he was the first real big guy, even before he did of. it, that mm. went over the top on a dive. 
And they specifically told him to stop doing it because, it, because according to what he said, they said that when he did it, it took away from when guys like Sean and Brett did it. And I can totally believe that at that particular, at that particular point in time. You know, yeah. so that's, that's the first thing that's going to hurt these cruiserweights is that some of the stuff that they're doing is not really like – like a lot like, of the oh main event guys can do it, you know. The second thing that hurts the cruiserweights, and this is what this is what's confusing right here. Like I thought that perhaps like after a month, we would get some kind of update. Like even though WCW was like kind of like when it started, it was kind of like random. But like by '96, like by the time the NWO was starting, you started to see a picture on like who the cruiserweights were. Like as a kid, like I remember everything. Like okay, uh-huh. so like Dean Malenko was like the top heel, Rey Mysterio was like the top face. And then, like, the number two heel was, like, Psychosis. Oh, and then, and then like, Dragon, yeah. And, yeah, and then, and then Ultimo Dragon came in, like, November, and he had, like, eight or nine titles. Yeah. <laughs> and that yeah, made him, that, and that made him, like, the number one heel. But I remember, like, I remember as a kid seeing, like, a, a structure. Like, okay, it was, like, Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko, Chris Jericho, Psychosis, Ultimo Dragon. It was, like, those five. And then... They started bringing in more guys like Prince Ikea and then Alex Wright and then, like, just more guys like that. Like, you start to see, like, an actual division shape. What's confusing right. about, like, the Cruiserweight division for WWE is it's, like, there's this kind of weird thing where it's, like, you got guys like Cedric and Rich Swan that are, like, in NXT and they're, like, performing on Raw. So it's kind of, like, technically... If you're a cruiserweight, it's kind of a free pass to the main roster. But technically, they're not actually part of the main roster. They're just cruiserweights. So it's like, are they NXT? Are they cruiserweights? Right. Are, they, are they both? You know, like so exactly like what is the roster? Like what guys were signed? Like there was never like like a, like every time someone was confirmed for the cruiserweight classic, there was like a picture of, like Triple H shaking their hand or like WWE.com would like post an article. Like well, there was never what actual. I understand, from what I understand. Part of the thing with getting a lot of these guys that they've got and going to get is letting them finish up commitments. Like, I've seen everybody freaking out about where's Jack Gallagher, where's Jack Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And same thing with Grand Metallic. Those guys had dates booked. I think Metallic's booked through November, and I think Gallagher's booked. I think Gallagher might have had bookings right through the end of the year. And from what I understand, and this was kind of the holdup with a with Sabri more so than Abushi was finishing up the letting these guys finish up their dates. That's why you mm-hmm. haven't seen Metallic since I think he was on the one raw where Kendrick became number one contender and that was it. Yeah, he was. You haven't speaking, seen I, I think speaking Gallagher, of Abushi. We'll we'll get to him. Okay. We'll get to him and then I I think after the cruise awaits I want to jump back into where I was with the TNA lawsuit stuff. Um, (laughs) But I think think the whole thing was letting these guys finish up. Because I think Gallagher was at the finale. And then that was was it. I I, I think he might have wrestled a dark match at one of the NXT tapings. And then that Mm. was it. But the whole thing is that they've got to let these guys finish up. Like, Nice is still working a boatload of indie dates. Like, Nice is huge on the East Coast here, and I know mm-hmm. he's finishing up a lot of stuff. Gal, Gul, Drew Gulak, he's big and Evolve. I think he's finishing up there. You know, so that's what... It's kind of... I think that might be where their problem might be, is that they got to get everybody in 
fully. Maybe they waited too early to start it. I think that's why, and you know what, we'll go to Ibushi real quick. That's why I think you could have let Ibushi win the Classic, bring the division in, crown a champion, and since it's obvious that Ibushi is going to come in and work partially, I'm sure you could have worked something out where eventually you do Ibushi versus the champion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know? Ibushi is a very, uh, he's a very strange individual. Uh, one thing I will give yeah. Jeff Jarrett, um, despite Jarrett and all his flaws and the flop that is Global Force Wrestling, I'm still waiting for that boom, Jeff, but um, I will give Jeff one thing. He was responsible for, he, he created that bridge to Wrestle Kingdom um, 9 because when TNA was doing that Global Force thing and then when it had run its course and they had started the Global Force thing, it went global, when they were advertising it, they were advertising they were advertising Wrestle Kingdom Nine like out the ass. They were talking about how JR was gonna be there, how he was gonna commentate one of AJ Styles matches and stuff like that. And I remember like, Okay, cool, I'll I'll check this out because, you know, like many folks, one of the hard parts about New Japan is like, you know, if you don't speak Japanese it's just kinda right. hard to, to really follow through. And so that particular yeah. show was JR and Matt Stryker and I sat down and that was my first time like watching a, a New Japan show like from start to finish for the first time, and and that night was uh, my first exposure to uh, Nakamura, to Tanahashi, to Naito, and to Ibushi. And I knew AJ was in New Japan, but it was my first time like seeing him like adapt to that New Japan mm-hmm. style. Ibushi is a very strange cat. Um, he was a junior weight in in New Japan, and in New Japan they take their weight classes like very seriously. Um, whereas in, in America, like not so much, like, you, you know, seeing a Rey Mysterio fight like a Ryback or a big show is just another day here in America. Whereas in New Japan, they There's take the it, you know. There's a way for 205, yet Balor's 195 and he's universal champion. Right, 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 right. You know, so in America, and I guess that's good. I guess that's good because they're kind of breaking that barrier here. But mm-hmm. in Japan, they're very, 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 very serious about that. So a lot of times the cruiserweights, they just work with other cruiserweights. It's very, very, very rare for cruiserweights to uh, work with other folks. And so what happened with Ibushi was he won the G1 Climax. And, of course, okay. when you win the G1 Climax, you are allowed to challenge for a title of your choice. And he titled, he challenged the Intercontinental Champion, which was Nakamura. And Nakamura. at the time it caused, like, really a big deal because he's like, oh, well, you're a cruiserweight. And, you know, so it was one of the few times that New Japan actually, like, um, he had to fight for it. Like, he actually fought because, like, because the, they thought he was going to challenge the junior heavyweight champion, who I believe was, like, uh, I think it was Kushida at the time. It could have been. I could be wrong. But he chose, um, it was like, a, he, he basically, like, went into business for himself. Now, when like, you say, okay, I was just going to ask you that. When you say he got a fight for it, do you, you mean, like, behind the scenes he had a Right, like, right. Yeah, okay. yeah, he went into business for it. They did not expect him to say Nakamura, and he they said Nakamura. Yeah, you know, Kushida or whatever, right, Kushida. right. Because okay. you know, normally whoever wins the G1 Climax is usually a heavyweight anyway. It's very rare for a cruiserweight okay. to even make it that far. So okay. he challenged Nakamura, and New Japan didn't like it, and he had to fight for it. And then Nakamura, he was pretty much like, I don't give a fuck, cool, he's Nakamura. Nakamura, he's pretty much like Lesnar, really. Um, he'll fight, he, and when he was in New Japan, Nakamura was like, as long as I get paid, like, I don't care. Like, he really yeah. is. He's, he's, he's very quietly. A lot of folks, I mean, Nakamura's cool and all, but... I mean, I'm not shitting on him, but he's very oh. similar to uh, to Lesnar, and yeah. he rarely lost in Japan, and no one really calls him out for that. And I think when he gets caught up to the main oh. roster, 
that's going to be exposed because I'm going to tell folks, I've been telling the folks like right now, when Nakamura shows up day one, he's probably going to fight someone like really high on the card. Like, and I can see him showing up like on day one and fighting like a Reigns or like a Cena, like literally on day one, he just knocks him out. I totally see it coming. A lot of fans think I'm over-exaggerating. I'm like, no, oh. no. Like, and, and, and Nakamura's like entire New Japan career, he lost like 10 times. That's, you know, I love Nakamura. I yeah, like him, but, but he, just, he doesn't get you, enough shit for what he did. I'll be honest with you, he should have lost to Joe in Brooklyn. He should have, and he should have lost to um, uh, Omega before he left. I didn't like that. Oh, that was yeah, bad business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah he should have lost was... to Joe. Well, what they should have did, they should have had Joe beat him, and then you could have, like, the story of Nakamura, like, you were a little cocky, a little arrogant, you didn't take Joe seriously. No, and then they could just That's exactly him what I told Jay. That was my whole thing. If you remember, and uh, we're so drifting away from the TNA Oh, oh don't worry, we'll get back to it. No, I, I know, but I told Jay, and I, was, I remember tweeting it and saying it on the Facebook page, you know, leading into it. I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, he's got to lose. And everyone was like, no, you're fucking crazy, blah, blah, blah. You can't lose to Nakamura. I said, but listen to me. <laughs> Joe has done nothing to him. Yeah. I was like, and he's just being a punk to Joe. What I didn't like was Joe's uncharacteristic short transitional title run. That's not Joe at all. Anyone that's followed him in the Ring of Honor and TNA, they know. Yeah, but that's more that NXT, he- though. That's yeah. He's gonna be up there before the end of the year, and and that's what this was. This this was, yeah. That's mm-hmm. they, yeah. They, we can get into the Joe Rain. We could probably spend two hours on that another day. What was you know? Yeah, but you um, know, but but, but basically, like the finish that up though. Yeah, he should have lost. He should have lost. He should have lost. And I said that. I said. I said. I said, not only should he have, lo- I was like, not only is, should he lose to Joe, I said, honestly, if you want to make Joe serious for however much longer he's going to be down in NXT, and even if you go, once you send him up to the main roster, I was like, I'd have Joe fucking murder him. I'd have, Joe, I'd have it go like 10 minutes and then have Joe choke him out. Mm-hmm. And everyone thought I was crazy, and I'm like, I'm like, but you don't understand. Then you have Nakamura come back, and then the comeback story on Nakamura would be amazing. You know? Not to culturally yeah, label people, but failure in the Asian community, they handle it very bad. And when they, yeah, they, when, they and when they go to redeem themselves, the pr- the process of getting to that point of redeeming themselves, they put, you know what I'm saying? They push themselves beyond to the limit, and then you could have Nakamura, you know, destroy Joe just as quick. And then guess what? You get a third match out of it. Now you're going to get Nakamura two and zero against Joe. And that's going to be the end of it. Yeah, I agree with that. But um, yeah, but uh, to finish up uh, earlier, um, Abushi had to fight for his match. And Nakamura was pretty much like whatever. Um, they had like a phenomenal match. It was like one of the craziest matches I've ever seen. Uh, Nakamura went over, and um, pretty much after that, um, New Japan Abushi uh, made believers out of New Japan because they just saw him like as a cruiserweight guy. And after that, um, New Japan, they, they offered him a new deal, and uh, they were going to push him to, like, a rematch with Nakamura, and to which he was going to win. And Nakamura was cool with it because he wanted to take a break for a bit. But uh, then I remember at that time, Ibushi was pretty much like, nah. And then he left. And I remember the rumor was that he was trying to create his own promotion, which was it was very weird. It was very bizarre because New Japan basically offered him the world. They were, they were pretty much like, okay, we're going to give you the IC belt, 
And we're basically going to make you like the number two guy in the entire promotion. I wonder if Ibushi was insulted, though, that they didn't believe in him first. It could have been that. Some some do believe that. So he was just kind of like, you know, nah. So then he left for a bit, uh, worked the indies, you know, and he just kind of did his own thing. It was really, really confusing. And uh, that really threw a loop in their plans because Nakamura, he wanted to drop that belt. So he had it a little mm-hmm. bit longer. And then, you know, basically after that, um, you know, the whole CWC concept that got leaked, and, you know, Triple H was looking for folks around the world. And one of the first folks he got was Ibushi. And uh, I know Brian fought really hard for him because um, I know Brian, Regal, and um, Norman Smiley, love that guy, were really, really, like, important for, like, recruiting the folks. And so they got they got Ibushi, and from what I understand, like, pretty much day one, Triple H was like, you're going to win. And Ibushi was like, okay, cool. And then, like, up until, like, the third or fourth taping, that was when Ibushi was pretty much like, eh, I'm not ready to sign yet. And everybody yeah. was pretty much like, okay. Well, yeah, no, it was, it was leading into the final. That's when it came out about who was signing, him and Savory, that they weren't signing. Right, right. And so when he said that he wasn't signing, it was just confusing because Ibushi's just very strange because it's yeah, like, that's, it's like that's the thing twice. is built around you. And you're right, that, that's the second time that a company pretty much just said, you're going to be the guy. And he's pretty much mm-hmm. like, nah. It's yeah. like that dude who he keeps saying he wants a great job, and then he finally gets the phone call, and then when they call, he's like, "I'm interested." Nah. He's, yeah. he's weird, you know. Like, it's like he doesn't yep. know what he wants. He's he's very very, he's very strange. So when I heard that Ibushi was not going to sign, you know, at the time, like we didn't know that Triple H was going to introduce the cruiserweight title. So at that point, I just thought that CWC was just a thing for the network. So when Ibushi said that he wasn't going to sign. I was pretty much like, well, they can go about this in one of two ways. Number one is that, obviously, he loses in the semifinals, which is what happened. And I remember Taz, on his podcast, he said that the moment that he found out that um, Abushi and Junior, uh, Sabre Junior, were not signing, he said if he was booking, they wouldn't have made it that far. But apparently, they didn't reveal it until they had made it that far. So, mm-hmm. But I, the direction that I felt they should have gone in was I would have had, um, I would have, I would have had uh, Abushi win. And then you could have just did like a cruiserweight thing, like once Raw, like once you introduced them on Raw, you could have did a tournament eventually with TJ winning, and then yeah, then you could have like a Bushi show up like later and be like, you're the champion, but you never beat me, you know, you know what I mean? Like so it's like I'm the real champion, blah blah blah. But that's, that's what not, I would that's, have done. Yeah, but that's very much. I, but the hard, the reason I know that I knew that wasn't going to happen is because I know Vince, I know Triple H, he might be cool with it, but I know Vince, he's not really a fan of, of. Vince McMahon is, is not a fan of of uh, one-offs. When I mean, like, people not really sign showing up and wrestling high-profile matches. That's never – Vince is very, very adamant about that. He wants you to either be, like, a full-time guy or, like, a guy that used to work for WWE, you know, like, say, Rock or Austin or Lesnar. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just someone just totally, like, out the blue just showing up and just working – one match or whatever, but anyway, Abushi, he's a very strange guy. He's a nice guy, but he just, it's very clear he doesn't know what he wants. Now, for guys like Jack Gallagher and Zack Sabre Jr., I understand because there's just a plethora of indies in the England, Europe area, so they got a lot of stuff they probably want to accomplish before they want to sign full-time, but Abushi, like, that's like twice, you know, not just one, but two promotions, New Japan and Triple H, so I guess NXT slash WWE, they basically just told Ibushi, you're going to be the guy. And he was pretty much like, eh. I never really thought about it like that way, what you said. It's possible he could have been offended. 
um, mm-hmm. you know, by New Japan not seeing him as anything until after his match with Nakamura. So that very well may have been the case. But the NXT thing, I mean, to me, that's very perplexing, especially like if Triple H, because if, if, I'm, if I'm a cruiserweight or if I'm a CWC participant and I know going in that there's going to be at least 32 participants and there's going to be like five to seven stand-ins, and Triple H is like, I'm the first person that Triple H recruits. And he basically tells me point blank, like, you're going over. Like, I mean, what better endorsement do you need? I mean, he basically is just telling you, you're going to be the face of the Cruiserweights. You're going to be the face of the Cruiserweights on Raw. And you're probably going to get an NXT title run. I mean, that's, I don't know why you would turn that down. So, I, I don't know. He's very young still. I know he's good friends with Brian. That's why he's there. Because uh, originally they weren't going to get a Bushi, but Brian fought really hard. You know, so that's why he's there. So, it's very clear, though, that Ibushi just does not know uh, what he wants. So, I mean, <clears throat> I hope he signs. Um, it would be nice. I mean, I, I don't think he's... Well, I don't, I, I, don't want... heard. I, I have heard that they think at some point they'll get both of them. It's mm-hmm. just a matter of when. Like, from what I've heard, like, and I know Ibushi's a lot older, older than Sabre. I know Sabre's a little, a little older than even he looks. And I, I, I know there's more of an emphasis to get Sabre now, but I, I've heard that, you know, they, they think they'll get both of them. It's just a matter of, of when. And mm-hmm. I, I could see Abushi wrestling Perkins at WrestleMania. I just, I could totally see that. Yeah, that'd be cool. I could see that. I, I you know, I, I could. I don't know how. I don't know how they would get there. Maybe something mm-hmm. with their teaming in the Dusty Classic, you know, leads to some eventual dissension, whatever. But I, I could, I could see that being being the match at at WrestleMania for TJ. I, I, I could. Oh, well, I'd rather see that than a random ladder match. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. What a cruiserweight ladder match. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that. That's proof that Vince doesn't understand cruiserweights. That defeats the whole point of cruiserweights. But whatever. That's what the reports are saying right now. Mid-card title in a ladder match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, that defeats the point. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, it would be a spot fest, but... Yeah, which shows you, which shows you, like, if that happens, that shows you that's all they see them as. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the point of cruiserweights. You don't need a ladder because of what they can do. Yeah. You know, now to me, like as a TNA fan, like a lot here's like here's a low key, and we this I guess this is a good transition back into the TNA thing. Yeah. Before I call it in, as a TNA fan, to me, like a lot of folks were talking about, like what was the TNA decision that really like questioned your faith as a fan? And a lot of folks were talking about Hogan and Bischoff, and a lot of folks were talking about you know the six sided ring being destroyed and like you know all that stuff. Here's, like, one low-key thing they started doing, and it pissed me the fuck off And fucking, uh, I think it was, like, 2011, 2012. The whole point of the Ultimate X match was it was supposed to be innovative. It was supposed to be an alternative to, like, a ladder match. And it displayed the upper body strength of you know, smaller guys, because it's more than just climbing a ladder. You had to climb the little straffle thing, and then you had to, like, hang upside down. Like, it was a really, 
innovative match. And I remember, like, around 2011, 2012, they started doing X-Division ladder matches, and that pissed me the fuck off. And I remember, like, I think RVD was X-Division champion, and I think that's probably, like, how it started. RVD couldn't do the Ultimate X, so they did a ladder. And they started doing la- – that, that really pissed me off because I was like, doing a ladder match with the X-Division, that totally defeats the point. Like, you're, you're basically saying that you're just, like the, you're just like the mainstream, a ladder match. Mm-hmm. You see, I, you know, I didn't like that at all, you know. And they do Ultimate X every now and then, but I'm sorry. Like, I, I, I couldn't take the X-Division seriously anymore when they added a ladder match. That, that's, that was literally the entire point of it in the NWA TNA days. It was an alternative to the mainstream, and by having X Division guys do ladder matches, that you just totally killed the credibility of that division and the company as well. So, I wouldn't be a fan of cruiserweights doing ladders. They never did. the only ladder match I can even recall in WCW was like I think, I think Guerrero and Waltman had a ladder match once. I think. I think they did on a house show. I don't think I don't think it ever made a pay per view or Nitro. I think they did it on one of their big. They used to go to the like the the forum in Los Angeles, that used to be their equivalent of Madison Square Garden. I think they did it there. I don't think they ever did it on a Nitro or a pay per view. Hmm. Yeah. Well, what were you saying about the TNA news? What were you talking about the lawsuit? Okay. Yeah, I was just I was kind of just recapping it. I was up to the point where that that power transfer clause that they put in, mm-hmm. and um, basically it was not valid in Tennessee. So, yes, Dixie's a piece of shit for putting that in, knowing it would never see the light of day. But I also blame Billy and his team. for That's a big, big clause to put into a contract. I would... I would, I would have checked into that a lot more, um, you know, how that was. Uh, the other things, Billy has still to this day not received any official employment paperwork as quote unquote president of TNA. And the reason why, excuse me, the reason why I say quote unquote is because I believe it was Anthem was told. That Billy is president in title only. He has no power or authority over anything, uh, which apparently was news to Billy. Uh, what else is there in this? I got through a lot of it. I just I want to wrap it up. Uh, oh, they're clean. Oh, another thing Dixie did to Billy, which is why there's a special place in hell for Dixie. <laughs> is Dixie pretty much told Billy. He was the primary lender, so his position would be as like a senior lender, basically meaning last money in, first money out. Turns out he was third on that list, which Billy found out on his own. Dixie never told Billy about that. Billy found that out on his own, I believe, by looking at their finance reports. So, you know, Dixie, there's a general feeling that Billy, bas- that Billy basically got used by Dixie. Um, again, TNA and Anthem both claim that they've tried to pay Billy back. Billy does not want to be paid back. So they're, they're trying to present this as a power play by Billy. I look at it like this. 
Billy might be fucked here, and I'll tell I'll tell you why. Besides the fact that the call, the power transfer clause is not valid in Tennessee, if TNA is able to come up with the one point eight million that Billy is owed, and they walk into court with a check made out to Billy for one point eight million, Billy has to take it because if he doesn't then it's going to come off that this was a move about power. And I'm not saying Billy was doing this for the power as a power grab to undermine the company from Dixie. But they've kind of presented enough of a case, or at least are trying to present their case as Billy's out for power, which is why he doesn't want to get paid back. You know, he's trying to corner us. You know, and, and like I said before you got on, I don't know where TNA's got anywhere near $1.8 million anywhere. But if they do have it, Billy, I, 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 and I feel bad for Corgan because I really believe Corgan wants to do right by this company. But yeah, I, I think, think so too. I think Corgan is going to have to take it. And as far as impact wrestling goes, walk away. Now, what he could do after that, you know, we don't know if there's going to be conditions, you know, no compete, whatever, but, you know, then that's a different story. But I think he's fucked in the sense of, you know, if they if they hand him money, he's got to take it. Because anything else, even though it's um, it's not the case, it's going to look like he's He's pulling a power move. Um, Dixie Carter just reminds me of those coming-of-age stories of, uh, what was that movie The Rock did? Uh, the Gang Green Gang? I, I don't know if I pronounced Gridiron that right. Gang. Gridiron right, the Gang. Gridiron Gang, you know, where he yeah. took that group of delinquents and mm-hmm. got them into football, and they were able to make themselves, uh, you know, uh, they were able to make something out of themselves. Dixie Carter reminds me, like, of a coming-of-age story. Where it's like a coach, like think you can even take it a step farther. Remember the Mighty Ducks with Emilio Estevez? Remember that? They're like delinquents. It's mm-hmm. like she reminds me of like a coach that is is she's put in charge of like this team full of losers, and just tries she might, she just can't get them to the next level. But then like someone else can do it, or someone else shows more potential than her. And rather than just acknowledge that maybe she's not the best coach, she's just really petty and bitter and spiteful about it. I just think that this just really just goes down to the fact that if Billy takes over, then I'm not saying TNA is going to, like, skyrocket up the ratings, but just seeing off of what Billy's done so far, I'm convinced that if Billy took over and got full control, he could do more with TNA in one year than Dixie's done and like, I, I think I'm, I'm, I, I agree with you on that, but I think at this point, even if Billy was able to turn around and say, "Okay, you're three point four million dollars in debt. Here's a check for four million. Clean up the debt. Let's." Start. I think that brand is so fucked and jaded that at this point, he would be almost better off let it die, take six months. Start afresh, because he's got the one thing that would be important. He's got a very good rapport with the people at Pop. 
So apparently everybody at Pop mm-hmm. loves him. They do. They like him. If And I'm sure if TNA dies, he would have no problem working out something with Pop. Like, listen, give me a year. Let me get it all together. And, you know, give me that two-hour slot back. You know, and I mm-hmm. think they would give it to him. I think they would. I, you know, he's – that's what I think he's better off letting happen at this point. Try to yeah, get and he's money. confident that he will get about 90% of the folks currently there. Yeah, I think – yeah, that's the other part of it, too, is that I think he would get a chunk of that roster. Mm-hmm. I think he, I think he would. I think he would get a chunk of that roster who – you, you, you know what it is, too, that you got to expect? Some of these guys might turn around and look to WWE more so for the stability. Mm-hmm. Well, we've already talked about that before. I see, but, I see Lashley getting a second look. I see EC3 getting a second look. Yeah. And, um, you know, those are like the top two right now. Uh, yeah. From what I understand, Matt Hardy can do what he wants. Uh, yeah. But he wants to stay with TNA because he actually has. Um, he has full faith. control. That's yeah, what he has full con- yeah, yeah, he has full control. That's his thing, and mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. As, I mean, Hunter's open-minded, but I don't even know if Hunter would turn around and say, "All right, Matt, you got six minutes. Go go do whatever." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, it would I work think... in NXT, but on the main roster, no. no I, I could totally see NXT doing yeah. it, maybe. Yeah, but you're not gonna send Matt Hardy. 10 XT, especially this character of Matt Hardy. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, they can do whatever they want. They're in a position where, and you and I talked about this yesterday as well as numerous other times, Big Money Matt was a reflection of how he really is. Right, right. You know, so... See, what you know, I would do, I would think he could work in NXT only if you send Brother Nero with him and they see the revival. You know, like, like whether Triple H says you can do all this, but you got to put the revival over. You see what I'm saying? Like, would, Maybe, would that yeah. make sense? Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you six minutes a week to do whatever, but you, yeah, you gotta look up at the revival, at a right. takeover. Yeah. And then when that's done, and then when that's done, he can continue being broken, Matt, and then Jeff yeah. can go to the main roster because a lot of folks want Jeff back at WWE for some reason. I mean, yeah. I don't hate Jeff, but that whole no. like can't go to UK thing is gonna be a really big, eh. That's why. That's yeah. why. I remember. I remember. Everyone was like, "Well, right before it was last year, his contract wasn't even up yet, but it was like a month before he resigned with TNA." And everybody was like, "Why?" I said, "I'll." T-, and I remember I said, "I said I'll tell you why, because he can't travel abroad, and Vince is not going to make him an offer yet. Once that mm-hmm. thing is cleared, Vince will jump on him." You know. Yeah. But. You know, getting back to the whole thing, you know, it's, it's, you know, and last night during Impact, this shows what type of person Dixie is. She tweeted ever, about every segment. Guess whose segment she didn't tweet during? What, the Billy one at the beginning? Billy had a segment with Allie. It was a quick segment. Yeah, yeah I saw that. Not a single peep on Twitter from Dixie about it. But every other segment got multiple tweets during it. Not that one. We should and, really stay off social media. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah. You know. 
Um, but yeah, long story short, just to wrap it up, um, yeah, so they were all trying to, to get Billy out. Um, the, the, the ruling is going to come on Monday. Now, the ruling is whether or not this is, this just, this temporary restriction becomes like an injunction, which basically prevents Dixie from selling off parts of the company for money, basically whoring out the company. Um, it does not seem that you're going to get a ruling on Billy's power transfer thing, although it looks like that he's not going to win that. And a, a couple of people who, quote-unquote, claim to have legal knowledge who have been looking at it, I've been reading a lot of it, a lot of people say Billy's going to end up losing this eventually. That, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, he's he's not going to win. Now, here's here's the other part of batshit craziness. They want to tape in January. They want to tape 12 weeks in four days. That is cr- criminal. Crazy. And the the 12 weeks would take them into WrestleMania week, and then they want to tape WrestleMania week Thursday. What the fuck? That's exactly. Crazy. You know, since you brought that up, one of the things I've always thought TNA should do and, you know, you can call it parasitic or whatever. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, I forgot who made this statement. Someone said whenever WWE is doing well, the wrestling world is doing well. That's true. Whether you like WWE mm-hmm. or not, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, everything does well. But So you can call it a parasitic thing. But um, And I see in recent years, WWE has, you know, especially with NXT, they're doing their best to counter it. But they'll never be able to truly stop it. But Whenever WWE is doing, you know, WrestleMania, and, you know, now they have NXT going back-to-back or whatever, mm-hmm. but wherever they're doing WrestleMania, a lot of indies also have a oh, show yeah. near the same area. Oh, yeah. You know, Ring of Honor has a show, Evolve yep. has a show, PWG a has a fight, show. I had a fight with somebody, I won't say who it was, on Twitter over SummerSlam weekend, and mm-hmm. he basically, it was an indie guy who basically told me, I don't need WWE, fuck WWE, and I told him straight out, well, if it wasn't for WWE being in town this weekend, you wouldn't be working three nights this week making the right. money you're making in, in Manhattan, in Brooklyn, in this. I mm-hmm. said, you're the same guy who will be out in Orlando with your legs spread and your butt cheek wide open saying, let's go, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm ready for four nights. So don't, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, I don't, WWE has no effect on my career. Bullshit, because when you get booked, WrestleMania weekend. SummerSlam weekend, a Survivor Series weekend this year. You know why you get them booked in those towns? Because everybody's running there because WWE's in town. Right, right. And the one thing I've always felt that TNA should do is, like, they're pretty much the one promotion that never does anything around that time. You know what I mean? They can't. But, they can't go on the road. Uh, well, they can afford to go now, on the road. Now they, they can. This now crew they would can. Go, yeah, but you know what's <laughs> fucked up? This crew would totally go on the road. <laughs> this crew would totally go on the road. Edwards would go on the road. Bennett, you know, EC3, you know, Lashley, you know, Moose. We've talked about this before. This isn't Angle, Sting, Nash, you know, Jared, who yeah. are your four main guys that aren't going to go on the road. You know, this is yeah. These guys, guys are totally. That, they would. These guys would totally be able yeah. to do it, and it would work. They just don't have the money for it, unfortunately. Yeah. So, and they had the sad thing is they have enough new young faces too. I think for it to work, if right. they did go on the road, right? But, you know, Drake, 
you know, DJ Z, you know, even mm-hmm. Stutter's starting to catch on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty much like at this point, they're, they're the big, like, I guess WWE guys, like, broken mat. And I guess lastly. I think as long as Hardy didn't have a booking, I think mm-hmm. Hardy would go. I don't think Hardy would turn around and say, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm going to stay home this weekend. I think Hardy I think would, he would go. go. I think yeah, he would. I, I think so, other cities would like to see Broken Matt in person, see yeah. what the buzz is about. You know? Yeah. You know, I think the only thing is, I think he would. I think it would be well. I, I'm going to book myself first, and if I'm if I'm not booked that weekend, then I'll go. You know, <laughs> do you? No, no. I'm just saying. I. But I. Yeah. If he didn't have anything doing on a Saturday night, oh, where are you going? You're going in. You know, you're going to be in a. You know. I also respect uh, Matt because he has full creative yeah, control. I, I respect Matt too because he has full creative control, and if he, you know, it's, it's not like he's like Hogan where he's putting the belt on himself. Like he's no. keeping himself out of the spotlight, so he could, if yeah. he wanted to, he could easily make himself the world champion. But Matt's pretty I don't much think he like has nah. control. I think he just has creative control over the character. Oh, like what he, he wants booking. to do. And stuff? Yeah, I don't think he has booking. I think he has once the storylines are in place. I think he has control over, you know, what what they're doing. Now, it's a, it's good that we're talking about Broken Matt because this is another thing I want to get into. Me and Nate were talking about this on Tuesday. Better gimmick of the year. Broken Matt or Jericho? I'm sorry. Broken Matt wins. Jericho's great, too. It's a solid number two, but Here's, Broken Matt wins. He wins. Okay. All right, and, and to be fair and to be honest, Nate said Matt as well. Right. I'm going to give you the case for Jericho, okay? I feel like Jericho has done more to tweak the character over the, sh- over the short period of time, whereas I feel Matt, and it might be TNA, it might yeah. be TNA Because they have one show. And we're oh, at, no, we're, not even that. Not even that. I just feel that they're going back to the Hardy compound thing too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that, that could, like I said, that could be TNA's fault because, hey, listen, you know what? We need, you know, we need to fill up, you know, whatever content for the three shows we taped. Matt, we're going to do three segments from your house. You know, I, 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 I'll be fair about it. It could be T, it could be because of TNA, but I just think, I think we've gotten the best out of the Hardy character, mm-hmm. whereas Jericho still continues to tweak the gift of Jericho character. Like it went from first it was quiet, 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 then he added stupid idiot. Then he added it. Then he added calling Tom Phillips every other name under the sun. Then he added the scarf. Then he added the list. I just you know, call it midlife and, crisis. And you Jericho. know there's something. All right, what, and, <laughs> and you know there's something coming once him and Owens break up. That something obviously is gonna you know happen again with the character when that when that happens. It's an entertaining character. But I just feel that, and, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I've done a complete 180 on that. I thought this was terrible. I thought money, Big Money Matt was the character. That was the heel. That was the, you know, the way to go. And, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm sold on Broken Matt. 
I just feel there's nothing more that he can do with this character. And TNA, maybe. He just needs a right. new roster well, of folks to yeah, work but, with. Yeah but, you, yeah, but you know what? But you got to go with, you know, you got to go with what you got, you know? And I Jericho just feel is cool. He, the only thing with me is the, the act itself has just mainly just kind of been like I mean, a pattern, get, like something yeah, like wrong. you laugh at. They're one and one A. Don't get me wrong. I'm not even <laughs> saying they're one and two. It's one and one A. But I feel like Jericho has done different things to change it up and still has one more in him. Whereas, like I said, and who knows, maybe if they get to film total nonstop deletion, which is a big question mark. <laughs> no, no, I'm, 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 I'm not even saying that in like a shade-throwing sense or to be funny. But if they do get to film it, you know, this thing's going to cost money. You know, unless he's got something completely up his sleeve, I don't, I don't, I think we've seen it all. What gets me with Matt is the, is the names he does with the, uh, how he, you know, the bucks of new. The bucks of <laughs> the, youth, the days of the new, of yeah. Days of, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the nicknames and, and the little droid, the Vanguard 3. Yeah. Um, but man, I just feel just, like all that I mean, stuff, he's blown his load with it. Okay, <laughs> what? No, 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 but I'm serious. Like, what, is, what else is Shelton, is Senor Benjamin going to do? That's crazy, man. Was, I was looking at WrestleMania 19 the other day. And then I saw the first match, and I saw Matt Hardy version one against Rey Mysterio. And I, I was like, Matt, Matt Hardy is one of those guys. Before. Like, you sit down and you realize how much he's changed his character. It's oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, but, like, what what more like what more can he do with Vanguard 1? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, a, it's a drone that flies around, that plays holograms of him. You know what I'm saying? Like, like what more could he do? I mean, don't get me wrong. All that stuff is great. But... What more could he do? Probably like time travel. That's probably it. <laughs> I know one thing. When the year is over, I feel sorry for all those little, uh, uh, you know, the numerous sites and stuff. We know when they do performer of the year and wrestler of the year and character of the year. They got oh, a lot yeah, of like it's hard gonna choices this year. It's going to be his, it's, character of the year is between him and Jericho. Yeah, yeah. I'm Char- sorry. Character it, it, of the it, it, year. Yeah, it's between him and Jericho. Uh, overall, like performer of the year, and you know, there's an argument. Some folks even will put Matt I as it. overall performer of the I year. Well, I, I think I, I think you got to give that to AJ. I think I think when it reached a halfway point, like I remember seeing, like when it was June ish, when it came to like performer of the year half year, I think Matt won at that particular point in time. And then when the AJ heel turn came later on, and then the matches of Cena and his work now, I think um, overall. As far as performer of the year is concerned, uh, AJ wins. Some would say Nakamura. Some would say Omega. This has been a really good year I would for even, I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Unless he just completely sits on his ass the rest of the year, I'd even put I'd even put Lashley in there too. Oh yeah, he's in the he's in the conversation yeah. as well. He's in the conversation. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. I, I think there's I think you would keep. He's he's, keep, he's definitely most improved you person could keep of the year. Hardy, you could keep Hardy and Jericho. Into mm-hmm. that character gimmick of the year category, and let the guys like AJ mm-hmm. Nakamura, Lashley, even right, Lashley definitely deserves Omega, to be in that Lethal conversation. Even. Lethal, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like ever since Lethal's lost the title, it's like everyone's forgotten about Lethal. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Le- you know, put him, 
I've gotten yeah, right. into debates with fans, man. I'll defend lastly until death, and it's it's really unfortunate. And I don't I don't ever hope for the death of a company. But the one positive thing I do see is if TNA does die, I know that WWE is going to pick up lastly. I know he's going to go to WWE, and he I don't can finally know about like that. prove. I'll tell you why I don't know about that. <clears throat> I I think Vince would be scared that he still fights MMA. But so does Lesnar. Yeah, but and and hey, you go back, listen to the show we did when the Lesnar announcement came. I was I was shocked that they let him fight Mark Hunt. I was shocked. You don't think he would give Lashley special treatment like Lesnar? I don't know. I wow. you know why I would say no to be honest with you? Well the reason I say it is because he's because he's successful Bellator, at the moment. Well, it's not even that. Whether he you know, anyone could get knocked out at any time. That's the problem. Right. But also it's UFC compared to Bellator. Mm-hmm. And I think well, I know Lesnar Lashley is a match a lot of fans want. It's, it's very quietly, it's very quietly becoming. Um, I know. Like, and Lashley even fueled it too. Lashley said, "Come on, let's mm-hmm. let's let's make it happen." But I'll be honest, man. Like I'll, I'll defend Lashley until death. I'll be honest. I've talked about him before. I don't think I've no, ever gone into detail oh, about Lashley, it with you. Yeah, Lashley, yeah, you know, amazing this turnaround. Right. When he had his first run in WWE, uh, like many fans, I, I wasn't impressed. I didn't really care for him. Uh, I never saw him as a black Lesnar. I just didn't care. And then when he had his first run in TNA, I was, again, very largely unimpressed, and I just thought that he was mainly hype. And then don't something happened. You I, I don't know. you feel for Lashley in WWE, and it's unfortunate that it never happened. It was He got hurt right after he went to Raw. Mm-hmm. He did that. He did that quick feud with Cena, which I'll sit there and I'll totally tell you I think he should have went over Cena in that. But I remember that like vaguely. Was that yeah. like after the Benoit thing? Yes. Okay, my my memory. I don't want to like. Yeah. I don't want to get on Benoit, but after he, that Benoit thing happened, my memory of WWE like is the, just a blur. The fatal Six Way was the main event of that that night of champions. Mm-hmm. I think that it was the six-way, and from the six-way came the Lashley-Cena match. And then Cena okay. beat Lashley, which is like, eh. And then Lashley, oh, I forget who Lashley was going to feud with. They actually started something with him, and he got hurt. And then he never came back. But I would have mm-hmm. liked to have seen what they would have done with him post the Cena feud. I think that's when you really would have gotten an idea on on what he was going to do because I thought he was I thought he was actually good on SmackDown. I thought he was actually good because he he just was this quiet, go about your business, you know, have his match, and that was it. Then in ECW they gave him a little bit more of a personality. Then they put him in the McMahon feud, you know, which that right there should tell you enough about what Vince thought of him to put him in that feud, you know. Right, it could have been anybody. Yeah. It was supposed to be, supposedly, I heard it was supposed to be uh, Hardcore Holly, and then they changed their minds and did uh, Lashley at the uh, last minute. So um, Holly? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. Monster interviewed Hardcore Holly. That was the plan. It was going to be Holly. It was basically a thank you for your years of service, because Holly had been in WWF for, for a while. You know, he was one of Wait, those guys that had been there since, so like, what, who was going to be the heel? Please don't tell me it was going to be Umaga, because Holly should have had no business Go no, no, no. Him. It was gonna, it was gonna be Holly against. <clears throat> what, 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 Solo Monster interviewed Hardcore Holly, and right. basically he said that um, 
it was gonna because he was on the ECW brand, if you recall. Right. It was gonna it was gonna be Hardcore Holly against uh like Lashley. Oh, okay, um, not Hardcore and, Holly versus Umaga. Right, right, right. And then oh, he okay, said okay, in his, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said in this story that like he had an injury and that he was recovering. And um, basically, Hardcore said, like, during his injury, Vince called him a few times and said, thank you for your years of service. And, and uh, Holly was talking about how Vince always rewards loyalty. And, you know, you're one of the few guys that never jumped ship. You stayed with me. And he just said, we got this thing with, with Donald Trump, and, you know, about the billionaires. And, you know, basically, he told Holly, you will be on WrestleMania. Because Holly never really got his WrestleMania moment. So he said, I did, really, the closest thing he got was that um, – that crazy hardcore match at WrestleMania 2000. Yeah, that was it. I think, <laughs> I think that, was that was it, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think he's think, been on, yeah. I don't think he's on be, another show. Yeah, there was supposed to be some type of tag match at WrestleMania 10, but I believe it got cut due to time. It did, or yeah. Something. It was like an right, 8 right. or something, yeah. Right, right, right. So so Vince basically told Holly that, you know, it was it was like a thank you for your rewards of service mm-hmm. you're going to fight Lashley. And then according to Holly, he said, like, he had, like, a, you might remember this, because, again, like, after the Benoit thing, WWE's a blur. He said that he had a match with Lashley, like, and it was in a cage or something. And and he said that, like, when he saw the booking for it, Umanga was supposed to, like, show up and rip a door off or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And he said as soon as he saw that, like, he knew, like, okay, I see what's going on here. It was, yeah. So then they transitioned it. So basically yeah. it was like they, they did Holly Lashley, like, as a transitional feud yep. as a way to build up Lashley so he could, uh, you know, have a, a mm-hmm. little bit of credibility against Umaga. That's, yeah, I, I know yeah. exactly when I know exactly when he's talking about. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said he was very, 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 uh, very disappointed. But uh, <clears throat> as a as a makeup for him, uh, he didn't get his mania thing. But they did give him um, one last tag title run, and uh, Cody needed someone to work with, and uh, they paired up Cody and Hardcore Harley, if I remember that. Yeah. And then that led to the uh, to the to the turn where he got with uh, DiBiase. And then that led to the whole. What was that with Orton? Was that called Legacy or something? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a thank you run and stuff. Yeah. But uh, uh, before we finish, like, um, you know, like, like you were saying before, I, I, I could, I can go on a network and uh, look at some of last year's older stuff because again, like that, that the Guerrero Benoit thing it really guys. just, yeah, it just really, guys. you know, blurred me. But like, you know, that first WWE run, the first TNA run, I was just kind of like, eh. But I don't know what happened, man. Like, when he came back to TNA that second time, when they were doing the BDC thing, when it was, mm-hmm. like, him, Lashley, it was, like, Lashley, King, MVP, it just worked because it was, like, yeah. MVP was the talker, Lashley was the muscle, and King was, like, the wild card. And I remember, like, uh, what I really enjoyed the most about uh, Lashley's run as champion, and I felt that I, – I, I felt, like, shame on Paul Heyman. Well, I, I doubt Paul – maybe Paul Heyman offered the idea and WWE said no, but what? I remember, like, one of the cooler things they did – was there was this one segment like where Lashley was he was wearing the TNA title, and he was just working out. Like, they were just doing these vignettes of him working out, like just doing manly things. Like you know he was lifting weights, he was like mm-hmm. cutting trees, and like while he was doing it, like MVP was just talking in the background. And I'm like, imagine WWE doing that like when mm-hmm. Lesnar was WWE champion. Imagine like like vignettes of Lesnar like when he was champion. You know, just doing crazy stuff while Heyman's just talking in the background because when Lesnar was champion. When he wasn't in a feud, he just wasn't there. There were no promos, no vignettes, no. nothing. You know, and I was like, that's really innovative. Like, that's, that was great. And, you know, when they did the BDC thing, like, Lashley really improved. And I just remember at first, I just looked at it and I was like, okay, he just had one good match. But then I noticed that he got better. Like, he had good matches with, like, Jeff Hardy, 
Austin Aries, Bobby Roode, Kurt Angle, EC3, Drew Galloway, Eli Drake, James Storm. Like, this guy is, like, he's consistently, he's yeah. he's not like, I'm not comparing him to Bret Hart, but you know, like, how guys like, you know, like Christian, Ziggler, yeah, no, uh, Shawn Michaels are, like, they put in this category of, like, there's no way these guys have a bad match. Lastly, was, like, he was, he's slowly getting there. Like, he, he was, was having yeah. good matches. He was having great matches with everybody. And then what I also noticed was he's not Jake the Snake Roberts or Rick Rude on the mic, but he's gone out there, and he's done promos like with Angle, EC3, Galloway. Let me tell you something about his promos. His promos are great because Mm -hmm. he's talking about the reality of who he is and what he could do to you. That's what's making – that's what – that's – he's keeping it simple. Mm -hmm. And what I love the most about Lashley – this is what I love the most about him, and this is what pro wrestling needs. He, what I hate the most about wrestling, and this is something you see so much, is how many times do you see, like, two baby faces have beef with two heels? Mm-hmm. And it's like they're friends. But it's like, lastly, it's the kind of heel where he hates other heels, too. Yeah. So, like, Eli yeah, Drake is the king of the mountain. He's the king of the mountain champion, and then he loses it to James Storm. And then lastly takes the King of the Mountain title from James Storm, and then he's basically like, fuck this title. Mm-hmm. And so Eli Drake, he's like, dude, that was my belt. Yeah. And lastly's like, fuck you. I'll give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then like Michael Bennett, he wants to be the champion when yeah. lastly was TNA champion. But then Michael Bennett had beef with E C three. But E C three's number one contender and so Bennett and Lassie's like, Hey man, we both hate E C three and Lassie's like, Yeah, we'll take him out and after that I'm taking you out. I'm like, Wow I'm like he's the kind of heel where mm-hmm. like he's not gonna buddy buddy he's with another great. heel just yeah. because he's a heel. Yep. That's so old school. You don't see yep. that anymore. No, you, you don't know? It's it's great and like his matches are, are like he unlike Lesnar, he he's still motivated like in his matches. He's still mm-hmm. pulling off new moves. Because in, in, not, to Lashley, and I don't know this for fact, but I'm just assuming I, there's probably a sense of, look at me, I'm reinventing myself. Even all these years later, I mean, it's it's almost ten years since the WWE run. You know, he's probably still, you know, you know, feels like he's got that that stigma to a degree. Just, and yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's very quietly. I would give like him the, when it gets closer to the end of the year. We're gonna do an award, we're gonna do an end of year show for sure. But mm-hmm. he'll, I'm sure he'll be. He, um, he at least deserves like when it comes improved. time to, ch- yeah, like, yeah. He 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 at least observes like he deserves most improved of the year. And when it comes to performance of the year, be, he'll he be may in not, the conversation for wrestle of the year. Yeah, yeah. Not he saying, may not, not win, he'll win it, but he'll be in the conversation but, yeah, for it. He, he deserves to be nominated. Oh for yeah, it, no, you know? definitely. He, he's very quietly become like one of my favorite guys, and I feel like no one's talking about it just because yeah, he's no, in I, TNA. I enjoy him. I. I I was pleasantly surprised when he beat Galloway for that title. What was that? At Slammiversary, whatever. Mm-hmm. That was a good the match. Way they that was not booked, a good match. The way they had booked that, you would think, okay, he was getting over on Galloway, so it was like, all right, at the pay per view, obviously Galloway's going to win, and when he and he beat Galloway clean, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. that. You were that expecting was like, because it was TNA and because he was a heel, you were expecting like shenanigans, but like no, he just went in there and destroyed. He just went him. in and choked him out. Yeah, and the same yeah. thing with EC3. He just beat EC3 yeah, clean. Like, yeah, it didn't, he just all he did was hit like a spear off the second rope. Right. Yeah. You know, if he was yeah. on WWE right now, like I'm not saying like put the title on him or like you know 
uh, anything like that. But if he was on WWE right now, like I would love to see Lashley like on SmackDown. Like I know you talk about Alexa Bliss sometimes, so she's like a solid like number two heel, whatever. I think Lashley would be like a great like solid number two. Lashley would need that win over Cena. Mm-hmm. That would be the next guy that. Okay, John, we're gonna have you put over. We're gonna have you. We're gonna put. We're gonna have you put over Lashley. Oh yeah, that's another thing. If he went, like, think of all the great matches he could have. You mm-hmm. know, Lashley's that guy that can bring out good matches, but you don't think oh, about yeah. it until you see it. Like Lashley against Cena, Lashley against AJ, Lashley mm-hmm. against Ziggler. You could see. I would love to see Lashley against Nakamura. Yeah. See that clash of styles. That'd be a really good match. Yeah, yeah. Real, real quick before we wrap this up, um, any you, you expecting anything? Oh my God, on Sunday. I totally forgot there was even a show. <laughs> so, uh I don't I don't expect anything. I'll, I'll run through the card real quick for you. I'll be honest with you, my answer is no. I think I think they're gonna quick they're gonna push everything for Survivor series. Uh you got mm-hmm. Owens against Rollins for the title inside the cage. Uh in, I mean inside Hell in a Cell. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't see a title change here. Um mm-hmm. you got Reigns Rusev for the U.S. title inside the cell. Rusev should win the title back, but of course he won't. Um, You got Sasha and Charlotte inside the cell, and the push with this is is whether or not it should main event. I I Um, think it should. I mean, they can do whatever. It's going to be awkward because I don't think they'll – well, obviously there's – it's it's tough. There's an audience for it, you know. Uh, UFC is proving that there is an audience for for a woman fighting. Sasha from Boston. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. UFC is proving that there is an audience for, you know, the concept of females fighting in a cage and bleeding. Um, Mm -hmm. And truth be told, there is a lot of fans. Sasha's kind of hinted at it. Sasha's kind of hinted at it that there's going to be blood Sunday. Right, right. And, And the truth of the matter is there's a lot of fans, just casual and hardcore, they're just not into that. Yeah. Just the concept of a woman bleeding. I don't know what it is. Like, you know, just I think something Boston in... might... It's Boston, though. They're East Coast. That that might fly there. It might. It might. Uh, me, like personally, people... I, don't, I don't know where I sit on the... Uh, I don't know what side I sit on. I look at what... Uh, what was that chick that showed up at WrestleMania 31? The one that was with The Rock? Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I look at what she does, and I'm not that, you know, sickened by it. I mean, she just yeah. round and pounds. But I've never seen, like, serious... Like, I've never actually watched, like, a straight-up fight of two females... Bleeding, so I, I, I guess I wouldn't know how I would feel until I see it, if that makes sense. Right. So I, if they try to do it, then I will probably have an opinion. But that's really what this all goes down to. It's not about whether it should main event or not. It's just a lot of fans out there because you know I know John Cena got a lot of shit. Be to it. Yeah, you know I, I know John Cena gets a lot of shit for saying this, and I don't I don't disagree with him. I know John Cena said that he respects and all forms of athleticism, and he respects the MMA fighters. I remember Cena just said straight up that uh, UFC is just not his thing. And I totally respect that because it's not my thing either. If I see one of my guys, like if Lashley has a fight, I'll support him. If Lesnar has a fight, I'll support him, you know, just because I'm a pro wrestling fan. But would I sit down and watch like a a full UFC card of guys I don't know? Probably not. Maybe if I was like, if I was a little tipsy or something. But there's a lot of fans out there that just, you know, they're just not into the whole female bleeding thing. So, but if WWE really wants to make a statement, and like you said, it's in Boston, so... You know, yeah. but if anyone's bleeding, it's definitely going to be Charlotte <laughs> because yeah. she's Ric Flair's daughter. Um, yeah, right. 
Uh, you got New Day against Cesaro and Sheamus. I don't think they're going to flip the belts here. Um, they're kind of like – that's the only match that kind of intrigues me a little bit because they're, they're kind of like stuck because you did all that work with Cesaro and Sheamus, so it's got to lead to something. But then if New Day, after having that long reign, if they lose to This is to not the Sheamus, team to lose to, yeah. Right. It's like, it's like Jay Lethal losing to Adam Cole, of all people. It's, it's going to be underwhelming if they lose. Yeah. But then at the same time, like, you've got to do something with Sheamus right. and Cesaro. You know, so they, they kind of booked themselves in a corner in this particular uh, match. But mm-hmm. New Day has to lose to somebody. My prediction is, is that there is no team written in to beat New Day. My prediction is, oh, is that they'll – oh, who? Are they on the main roster yet? Because nope. <laughs> I don't see – okay, nope. there you go. All right, so anyway, my prediction is I think that they're just going to go ahead and let them break Demolition's record. Yeah, I uh, think that's what's going to happen. Right. And I think it's like 45 days away. Yeah, and just let them break the record, and then once they break the record, then they'll uh, – they'll, I've, then... I've also heard the Enzo and Cass rumor for WrestleMania. I've heard that. I've heard that, that that's going to be the WrestleMania match, and they're going to get the belts there. I've heard that. Mm-hmm. I've heard that. I, I've heard that if Survivor Series wins, and um, I heard they may take the club, because they're going to get a tag team, a woman, and a, main, and a male talent. I heard they may take the club, so then New Day would probably coast to Mania and then end up feuding with Enzo and Cass heading into Mania. And I heard that I heard I I've heard that that Enzo and Cass and Alpha may get the belts at Mania. Okay, That's which cool. I'm on board with that. I'm on board um, with that. TJ against uh, Kendrick. I I fully expect TJ to retain. Uh, Bailey. After Dana. that, and, and after that, they got to start building, like yeah. you know, structure of the cruise. Supposedly, Nice. They're really impressed impressed with Nice. Yeah, I've been a fan of his work. Uh, he was in TNA for a short bit, and from what I heard, he just had an attitude problem. Not just no, there, something but something happened where he was booked for a Japan show, and then TNA decided to do like a live impact, and they told him to cancel the Japan booking, and he turned around and said, "No, I committed to them first. And he went and he went and did the Japan booking, and they like got pissed. He actually, he actually. When you break it down, he actually did the right thing. He actually did. So, um, you got Dana, Bailey. I'm sure Bailey will go over here. And you got Enzo and Cass against the club. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This one, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if the club can afford another loss. I, think, I don't think it would kill Enzo and Cass if they lost. But I don't think the club can afford another loss. And then there's like a cruiserweight six man on the pre-show. I guess it's everybody not named TJ and Kendrick. So, you know, that's it. But, yeah, I don't expect anything major, um, you know, to happen. Do you? No. Mm-mm. No. But, all right. So we'll uh, – same time next Friday? Sure. Uh, how much time do we have left? Uh we have 25 minutes, but I got about six because I have to okay. run out. All right, man. See you next um, Friday. All right. I'll talk to you then. All right, peace. All right, later.